everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Phoenix and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Here, as always, with my co-host, Steve Flink, Hall of Famer. Uh, we got some interesting things to talk about in the round robin stage, and then obviously we'll talk more about the semis and finals. But um, before we get rolling, I guess, I mean, what more can you say? Novak, Novak, Novak. Yeah, spectacular end of the year. I, and, and, you know, to come take all that time off after the U.S. Open, David, and then go to Paris and struggle through three long, tough three setters and win that title over Dimitrov, and then another less than a week base, basically a week off, goes, goes to Turin and with a goal of being number one in the world to end the year at number one. And he did that by winning his first match. And then to take the title to boot and to play his best tennis in the last two matches, he could not have asked for more. And, you know, some players need a lot of tournaments, a lot of matches up to whatever their goal is, the next slam or the next big tournament. You know, Novak did the same thing with the U.S. Open. He played one warm-up event, played one warm-up for him since he, we all remember that unbelievable yeah. final versus Carlos. He knows exactly what he needs to do at this stage of his career. And it's just, it's mind-boggling to uh, any sports fan. I just won't even say any tennis fan at this point. No, it is. It reminds me a bit of Rafa, too. Rafa, as he got older, was a, realized he didn't need as many tournaments and he, he could come back strong after layoffs. And it's something he wouldn't have believed in earlier in his career. And he succeeded often that way. And Novak this year, the way he scheduled himself, 12 tournaments, David. He played 12 tournaments the entire year, still finishes far ahead of, uh, of Carlos for number one, gets his seventh year-end number one a ranking. And of the 12 tournaments, he wins seven of them. I mean, what I mean, uh, what what does that say? Right. That means he plays the big ones and he wins them. That's how you that's how you end number one in the, wor- well, in the world by such a wide margin. <laughs> yeah. And you do it by winning three of the four slams, getting to the final of the other one, winning a couple of Masters 1000s in Cincinnati and Paris and then winning the year end championships. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's it, that's why he's he efficient, considers- Steve. He's pretty efficient. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Look, he knows he's had years where he played much more like 2015 and won much more in 2011, too, when he won three of the four slams and and just was unbeatable until after the Open. And so he's had years like that where he definitely put himself on the line more and was more prolific. But he's never been more opportunistic and never been more efficient than he was this year. A hundred percent agree. A hundred percent agree. All right. Let's start with the round robin. And, uh, you know, you know, Carlos Alcaraz, right? People have said, okay, post Wimbledon, it hasn't been that great. He's still done plenty well. Again, he's still learning. The length of the season is crazy, especially for a guy like Carlos, who was playing in the latter stages of most of the tournaments that he enters. Um, I'm not worried about him. Him, Carlos and his team will figure it out. Um, you know, he loses in the round robin stage. Has not been as sharp he may have been obviously when he was playing the Wimbledon Fortnite, but but still he's so young and his team's gonna figure it out. He does get to the semis. We'll get to that in a minute. Then you also had Novak playing Sinner the first time, loses in a great match, seven six in the third. Um Sinner wins seven two in the breaker. That's something rare that we normally don't see with Novak and tiebreakers. One for Novak to lose a tiebreaker and two to lose at seven two. But Sinner was awesome in that match. He but Dave I, I should add, it was a weird week that way because he also lost another one to Runa 7-1. Yeah. So he had a couple of surprisingly poor tie breaks, but 
look, he was playing his way into form. That's the whole point. In the round robin, he was never at the level he was over the weekend in the round robin play. But when it really mattered, when we got down to single elimination, you know, and do or die, that's when he produced. And Sinner was magnificent in that match. I mean, we got to give Sinner. It was magnificent. He was. It was an interesting match because in that one, David, it it was a 7-5 first set where Novak had a little opening with Sinner serving at 4-5, 15-30, and he missed what for him was a – he hit a slice back in long. It was a surprising choice. And then 5-all first set, he had 40-love, and Sinner came back to break him. That got Sinner the first set. Novak comes back and wins the second in a tiebreak, and when he got it to a third set tiebreak, I think all the money was on him. And that was a spectacular tiebreak that Sinner played to win the 7-2 one that you mentioned. Novak didn't do much wrong in that breaker, but Sinner stepped up sublimely to win to win that match. Great performance. I agree. So now Thursday becomes an interesting predicament. And and look, I've never been at the even close to the level of what these guys are at. So right, they have this elite mindset. I can't get into their brains. I wish I could. Um, but Thursday, Thursday was awesome. Was interesting, right? Because Sinner's playing Holgaruna, right? If Sinner loses that match, Novak doesn't make the weekend. This is a, this is this is crazy. He does. Yeah. I, it, yes, absolutely. Part of the reason was that Novak dropped the middle set of his last round robin match against Hubie Herkosh, who was a replacement for Sitsipas. That set made a big difference. That's why he put himself in that position. And so there was, as you know, a lot of speculation. You know, is Sinner, he doesn't need this. He's already qualified for the semis. And does he really want to give Novak a second chance against him personally, which potentially could happen on Sunday and did. But to his great credit, he battled hard. He won the first set easily against Runa 6-2, lost the second, seemed to be having an ailing back, played hard in the third, and then, but he was down 3-4 break point and, he hit a body serve that managed to get Runa to hit a backhand down the line return wide. And then Sinner ran out the match from there. That was very professional and very impressive that he gave it an all out effort. And you, you know, we were talking about this during the week. You also had an interesting point as well. This match was on a Thursday. So yeah. even, even so, whether Sinner wins or loses, he would have a day off, right? He would have Friday right. still. It's still, do you want Novak there in the weekend or not? But that being said, right, he still have a day off, even if it was a really long physical battle with Runa. You felt because of that extra day off that Sinner would have, he would not tank the match. No, but also, yes, exactly that. And the fact that he's he's a really conscientious, decent, good guy. And I, I, I just don't see him sitting down with Darren Cahill and saying, should I let this match go, Darren? Because that way I, I, won't have, I would never have to worry about Novak again this week. I don't. I just don't think his mind works that way. Nor do I think Cahill would want him to do that. And by the way, he, another point to be made here is that Medvedev had qualified when and when he played Carlos on Friday. Uh, Medvedev knew he was in the semis. Carlos needed this win to get to the semis and beat Medvedev in straight. And you know, yes, you could say that maybe Medvedev didn't look hundred percent fired up, but he he tried hard. He he played decently and he got outplayed. And the and difference I, there was he didn't have a day off. Yeah, no day off. It's true. But I'm saying I think he gave it a full effort, too. Yeah. But all, but the, the downside when you do that, and I remember this happened once to Pete Sampras when he lost to Wayne Ferrer in a round-robin match back in 95 and then lost the next day to Chang in the semis. Sometimes it 
it kind of lingers with you. It's not a great feeling, as Medvedev even said after he lost to Carlos. You don't really want to come in there to the semis with a loss, but you try to put it behind you. So there's all these things swirling around their minds, but uh, it, it made for a, a fascinating week. Well, Novak owes Sinner a, a, a very large Christmas <laughs> present. I think we can agree with that. I mean, Sinner was totally in control of Novak's show. You know, it was there in the weekend or not? But no, I, I well, agree. Sinner, but Sinner also, it was it, it was an impressive week because he had opened up with a win over Sitsipas, who had his his physical issues. Granted, but still, a good start beats Novak, hangs on to beat Runa, and then beats Medvedev for the third straight time this fall. So he had a great week to go four and zero coming into the finals. But uh, obviously, to to beat Novak Djokovic twice in a week. And he knew that Novak was going to be primed for him on Sunday if they met, that he was going to have to even surpass the effort that he made in the round robin, which was or, which was a gigantic performance. This was, you know, again, this is pure speculation on, on my front because, again, I, I can't get into these unbelievable elite players' minds, but um, they're built differently, right? They didn't get to where they are, Steve, by taking the easy way out in anything. And, you know, if you say an athlete of, you know, an elite, elite, elite athlete goes and has thinking about maybe tanking a match, I just don't think that registers with these players. No, it doesn't. But the unfortunate thing is, David, I love this tournament because we get these matchups. Like we had, for instance, a terrific battle, Carlos's first match, and Zara beat him in three sets. It was one of the more entertaining matches of the entire week. And and you get the Novak match against Sinner, and you get you just get these matchups. Oh, it's the best. One after another, but it's it's unfortunate when it comes down to those last round robin matches, and sometimes somebody's already in, and they don't need the the win as much as their opponent needs it. And I don't. I, I that's the only drawback of the round robin is it puts the players sometimes in a position where they might think about those things. But I agree with you, and uh, there was no question about uh, what Sinner did against Runa. And I honestly don't think anybody could question Medvedev's effort against Carlos. He just got outplayed in that match. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Okay, so here we are, semis. We have the, I mean, we have the top four players in the world advanced to make the semis. Two unbelievable matchups, right? With Carlos versus Novak in a semi this time, not a final. And Sinner versus Medvedev. Um, the the Alcaraz-Novak match, and I'll let you, you know, kind of obviously go through it. But the the first set, um, the very first game, Carlos had two break points, didn't convert. And I think that kind of set the tone of how that first set may, may have went on. And I'll let you go from there. Yeah, that was a very, it was an important game. And you could see Goran Ivanisevic and, and, uh, and also uh, Novak's hitting partner. The two of them were sitting there looking very nervous. The last thing you want is for him to go right out and lose, your, lose his serve. And Carlos hit a couple of spectacular winners to get to 1540, it wasn't that Novak played, did anything wrong, but then he really was good under pressure, came up with some great serving Novak and some clutch play. And then again, at two all, he had a couple of deuces on his serve. It was a nerve wracking game on his serve, but he got through it. No break points, but a couple of deuces. And then sure enough, he serves his way out to four, three, and then pounces on Carlos in the next game. And Carlos sprayed a few balls long off his back end. He missed a back end down the line on the break point And, and and Novak just served it out at love, and then and then turned up that turned up that talent level it, it, another notch or two in the second set. Yeah, before and, we get to that second set, it, you know, it was an interesting stat. Um, Carlos served eighty two percent 
yeah. first serve percentage in the first set and loss. And now you can say, oh, David and Steve can serve 82% against Novak, but we're not spinning it in like Carlos is, right? Carlos is going for a lot of big first yeah, serves. Yeah, he was. And 82% and he loses it. Well, how about 84% for the match? Yeah. And he, he gets broken two more times in the second set. So it's like, uh, th- that was that was remarkable. And he was serving a lot of aces. I think he ended up with 10. You know, he, he had some good service games, but Novak was pressuring him throughout the match as he did similar pattern to the final, what he get, did against Sinner. Because in the round robin match against Sinner, he only broke one time. But today he got he got three breaks and was threatening so many other times. But Yeah, I Car- want to walk through that second set a little bit with Novak and Carlos because it got sure. really, really good there for a short period of time. You know, Novak breaks Carlos at 1-1 to go 2-1. And then no Joker has another, Novak has another break point to go up 3-1. Didn't convert. And that's when I said to you, I said, okay, let's see, right? We see that pattern a lot of times, right? Novak has break points, doesn't convert. Now that player then immediately gets broken. And it almost happened. Novak serving at 3-2 goes down 15-40. Unbelievable points. The 3-2 game and the 4-2 game, were to me stratospheric in how we have seen these two players compete um, against each other. Just in this match, it was just those two games. We've seen them compete at that crazy, unbelievable stratospheric uh, level for more than just two games. And boy, those two games were entertaining. They were. And that, that, that was Carlos just desperately trying to work his way back into the match. And when he got to 1540, he was so excited. He played a couple of magnificent points to get there, and Novak was pushing him corner to corner, and and Carlos is defending, and that's probably only he not not as only he can do, but as only he and a few others can do. He can come off the defense and then suddenly just bury you with a winner, and up go the arms, and up goes his confidence. But the way Djokovic served his way out of it for fifteen forty was magnificent, particularly the the 30-40 point when he hit a forehand pass cross court. And yeah. Carlos really thought he had him cold in that rally. And Novak, that, that was a pivotal moment in the match. And then he managed to serve his way to 4-2 and got the insurance break in the great seventh game that you mentioned too, which was, again, Djokovic at his best in terms of offense and defense. And he gets the insurance break and then serves it out easily for 6-2. But it was an important win, David, in the sense that if you look at the Al- Alcaraz-Djokovic rivalry, it started on the clay over in Spain last year, 7-6 in the third for Carlos. Very first time they ever played. And then and then we go to this year, and we have the French Open where they had two fantastic sets before Djokovic pulled away after Carlos Cramp. But it was so, it, the second set was so tight, and Carlos won at 7-5, and we saw what was possible. And then the Wimbledon five-set final round win for Carlos. And then Cincinnati, the epic three-setter, three hours, 49 minutes. Djokovic from match point down wins in the second set, wins it in a tiebreaker in the third. So it seemed like every time they played was so tight and so hard fought. And as Djokovic said after this match, everybody was kind of expecting another one of those that it would go down to the wire again. And that would have potentially been a big problem for Djokovic, even if he'd won. If he had had another, say, three, three and a half hour scrape with Carlos the day before the finals, no, no day off. But he 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 played one of his best matches of the year, as he did again in the final. It's hard to sort of compare the two, but they both were top of the line Djokovic performances to close out his his tour season. And uh, that but that was important that he finally had a win over Carlos that wasn't like 
right down to the wire hanging in the balance. Uh, that he, he and, and to the point where Carlos said he didn't think he was on the same level as Novak. He didn't even say indoors. You, you're in, you feel that that's what he indoors, was doing. Yeah. But he didn't say it that way. He just said, I have to look at this. You know, I don't even think about Wimbledon or Cincinnati now. I'm, I have to look at this because I was not on his level, which was quite an admission from Carlos. And, and, and Nick Kyrgios on the television tried to remind was talking that, about that and saying he's going to he, if he saw Carlos, he'd remind him, look, you beat him in the Wimbledon final. You're on his level. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it shows you, go ahead. It shows you what what that shellacking did, you know, that the one sidedness of the defeat, how that and Carlos tries to be honest with himself. It's a side of him that I like where it's like, look, I have to look at this realistically. He just took me apart and I have to figure out why. So part of it, David, a couple of quick things to t- tack onto that. He, yes, he, he recovered from the Zarev loss, Carlos did. He beat Rublev in straight, played nicely against Medvedev to avenge the U.S. Open loss and beat him in straight. And a lot of people, I think, maybe got, st- got extra excited because he beat Medvedev and think, okay, here we go. But then no- Novak brought him back down to earth again because at this point, maybe this is the worst Carlos indoors on a fast court, maybe that's his least favorite setting. Plus, he hadn't won a tournament since Wimbledon, so the whole second half of the year had not been going his way. If he'd been able to beat Novak and even just make the final, it would have been a big lift. But the second set was kind of a little bit of a downward spiral, nothing disastrous. He got to the semis of the U.S. Open. He lost that epic to Novak in Cincinnati, and he gets to the semis here too. But it, it was not the same Carlos that we saw across the first half of the season. Uh, I agree. And I, again, like I said, kind of at the outset, I think he'll figure that out. He'll get used to his body. It's a long, long season and him and his team will, will, will figure that stuff out. Oh, I still to, to in this current environment, Steve, when Carlos and Novak raise their games together at the same time, only those two in this current environment can play a level of tennis like they did for those two games yesterday. I mean, we've seen it and obviously a lot longer than just two games, but when they are both pushing, pushing, pushing each other, I've never seen anything, any tennis like that in my whole life. I agree with you. There's no doubt about it. He just wasn't able to do it for a whole match this time. Just those few games, as you mentioned, or I shouldn't just say just those few games, the first half of the first set, we forget Novak was the one, struggling more starting with the two break points in the first game and then another tough game on his serve at two also it wasn't until he made his move and broke Carlos for a 5-3 lead then he took over but I I agree with you and those points there was one one of those great points when Novak was was trying to make sure to hold on for 4-2 he looked over at his camp because he had he totally outmaneuvered Carlos and somehow lost the point and he looked at them as if to say, what more was I supposed to do? I hit every shot I wanted to. How in the world did I lose that point? You, it was a great close-up. Yeah, I think Courier or Brett Haver said the same thing. It's it's incredible once they really start pushing each other. All right, the other semi is Sinner and Medvedev. Um, it goes three sets. Sinner gets the early break. Insurance breaks 6-1. Um, the interesting to, fact to me, the head-to-head when you look at these two now, Steve, Sinner, I believe, was 0-6 versus Medvedev. Now it's 3-6. and He's won the last three matches. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. And a couple of finals this fall. And Medvedev was talking about it leading into the match, about how he felt he'd done better in Vienna than he had the previous time. and he, But he still needed to do better than that. And he, he, he imploded a bit, Daniel did. He had a little issue with his hip. 
apparently. Went and saw the physio after the second set. But it was a nice recovery after the first set, which was a, a little bit of a strange set because there were a couple of games. There was one game on there was one game where Sinner served at one all and he had a 40 love lead and almost lost the game. He had to save himself from breakaway. Then Daniel had 40 love and did lose his serve. And then Daniel had another love 30 opportunity. He didn't take that. So it was a strange first set, but Sinner just played the big points better. Great second set serving from Medvedev throughout and a very good tie break. And you thought we're going to have a really close third set, but Sinner just ran away with that third set. And part of the problem was that Medvedev was all, was kind of incensed with the audience. And in particular, one fan, he started to sort of get into it with the fan after throwing his racket into the side of the fence. And you worried a bit about him there that he was becoming a little unhinged, but he he settled back down and played okay the rest of the way, but Sinner was too good. So interesting season for Medvedev too, David, in the sense that he had that great early season, you know, all those all that run from Rotterdam right through Rome when he was taking all those titles and then he didn't win anymore the rest of the year. He had some good results. Semis of Wimbledon, finals of the U.S. Open, couple of yeah. finals to dinner, semis here. Very good, consistent results. But a little frustrating for him in the sense that he couldn't, he wasn't able to se- secure any more titles. I mean, again, semis of Wimbledon, finals of the U.S. Open, including beating Carlos in the yeah. semis. Um, oh, it's still, oh, no, it's nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to be demoralized about. It's just that you measure him up against the very best, yep. meaning, meaning Novak, Carlos and even Sinner now and 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 Medvedev some he's got some real concerns there but obviously his standard was consistently high yeah consistently high okay so we get the final round two Yannick Sinner Novak Djokovic first set 6-3 Novak Djokovic and this is now like you said this was not round robin Novak this is locked in focused Novak I'm winning this damn title well, from the very beginning, David, he, his serve was just spot on. You know, he ended up with 13 aces, but he, he lost two points on his serve in the first set. He just he was putting so much pressure on Sinner because he was coasting through his own service games. And he was able actually to keep the points relatively short because he was out hitting Yannick off the forehand. They were showing the numbers there. He was averaging about 85 miles an hour on, on, the, on the forehand. It was up considerably for you know significantly from his a few miles an hour better than usual and he was so he was beating him to the punch and keeping the points he wasn't even have to strain himself because you weren't getting in you weren't looking at some of the exchanges like he had against carlos in the middle of the second set right most of these points were they weren't going to they weren't going above eight ten shots and and if so it was being played on novak's terms and then he got the break he needed and he, you know, he served it out in the first set was very comfortable. And the, by the time he got to two love, love 30 in the second set, set to try to break it open, he'd won 14 points in a row. Yeah, and that's that credit, was some credit. run he had on there. You know, I, and as a coach, I'm always big on the first game of sets, right? Whether yeah. you're up, whether you've won the first set or right. whether you've lost right. the previous set. Like, right. because if you if you lose the previous set and you win that first game, you kind of say to your opponent, I'm not going away, right? I'm yeah, here. Yeah, and, yeah. Versus, and and vice versa, right? If you've won the first set and you win that first game, it's like, let's keep this train going. And Novak breaks in the first game. I'm like, oh my God, he holds. Then he has three break points to go up 3-0, yeah, uh, yeah. including a sitting forehand, sitter forehand down the line that he makes 99% of the time. He doesn't convert. Sinner holds for 2-1. It's still Novak's up a break, but you're like, Damn, that insurance break would have been nice at that point. 
Yeah, but then in the next game, you're right. And and the forehand you mentioned that was a it was a he had made Sinner play a low backhand volley, and Sinner kind of popped it up. So Novak had the clear opening for the pass down the line. It was, was kind of unlucky because it clipped the net cord. Yeah, but it seemed to be heading in. It, yeah. it, oh it, yeah, it was in. It was in. It was, was going to hit. In. It just hit the tape. It bounced. It bounced off the net cord and goes wide into the alley. He couldn't believe he was shy. <laughs> that, that would have been the match. But that's right. what made it interesting from that point on. Is that's that was the pattern. He he just he was having such a difficult time getting that insurance break, and then Sinner finally got him down fifteen forty. But Novak he missed two win. returns, Stephen. That game, Sinner missed both return yeah. of serves on that to get it to yeah. deuce, and Novak winds up. But they were open. good serves, good first serves. You know they yep. weren't easy returns. One of them, you, the one back in return, he probably could have made. The forehand return was pretty difficult, but that was really the only break points that he had. Those two break points were it. So basically, Djokovic went through the weekend, David, beats Alcaraz 3-2, and two, beats Sinner 3-3. Three and three. He didn't get broken in either match. Sinner, in addition, Sinner had lost his serve twice all tournament long, and Djokovic broke him three times today. Yeah, that's crazy. I um, mean... there There is something, though, that we, I still want to talk about because that 4-2, there was that seventh game then, 16 minutes... Sinner holds 4-3. And again, Novak, that's the second time Novak yep. tried to get that insurance break. Right. Doesn't do it. So you're like, okay, if somehow Sinner can break Novak, we we can have ourselves a match. He couldn't. Novak holds and then obviously broke. Finally gets the insurance game, the last game of the match. Double fault. Um, here's a good stat for you, Steve, that, that I know you'll like and the listeners will like. Um, and I forgot. It, someone put it on Twitter. So I apologize for not crediting the person. But <laughs> Novak versus Sinner in the round robin, that match took three hours and nine minutes. The Novak semi and final versus Alcaraz and yeah. Sinner combined yeah. three minute, three hours and 12 minutes. It took three minutes longer to play two matches than the first yeah. one against Sinner. No, remarkable, but it, it, it's, it had so much to do with his level. He said something very interesting to Prakash Amitraj leading into this final and and they were talking about the round robin match and he said look sinner played great i played good i played good and i thought okay he knows he knows he can take it up a level and force and then and then what happens and then what happens and that really was it it's not that he by any means had played badly in that round robin match but today he was oh easily 25 percent better it's amazing. 98 career titles now, seventh ATP finals title. You know, he wins three slams. He misses a calendar slam. We talked about this earlier. You know, he actually, you some could say he was closer to winning the calendar slam this year than he was two years ago because he only missed it by one set. Now, again, it was done earlier in the year. Yeah, so he yeah. didn't have the, the pressure buildup of the U.S. Open, which he right. had two years ago. But he yeah, missed the David calendar slam by a fifth set at Wimbledon. Yeah, absolutely. And a fifth set where he had a, a swing volley to go up uh, two love in the fifth set that might have sealed the match. Room. But I will say this in an odd way. I think it helped him. If you look at what he did, I, mean, I don't mean that he wouldn't have loved to have won the Grand Slam, but then he came to the Open without that same kind of pressure. Of as course, he did two of years course. Ago. that's why it's different. To when he to lost to Medvedev in the final, the pressure was building because it was right there on the line. Here he was now just. His head was cleared. He accepted that loss to Carlos. He respects Carlos and didn't he didn't really dwell on it too long. And then what ends up happening to the rest of his year? 
He wins Cincinnati in the epic over Carlos. He wins the U.S. Open beating Medvedev in a really well-played final. He wins the Paris Masters 1000, and he wins this. He won his last four titles of the year after losing to Carlos in the Wimbledon final. So, you know, I, th I don't think he would trade the way things played out because he really had a tremendous finish to the season, even though he didn't play that much. He won on every one of those big occasions. It's just, I'm, I, I mean, the people who don't watch us on video, again, these are uploaded on YouTube. Um, I'm just shaking my head as we're talking about this because it's just, it's, it's magnificent. Uh, uh, and he said, I mean, he's open about it. He wants to, he wants to break every record there is that out there. Um, I do want to ask you. And by the way, that is another broken record here at the ATP finals because he and Roger had each won six titles. So that seventh breaks a record in, uh, uh, for that tournament as well. And, uh, you know, to, to think of all these, these tournaments that he's done, to have 10 Australian, seven Wimbledons, seven Paris Masters 1000, and seven ATP finals. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Connors' record is the 109. I, Novak's got his eyes on that, I think. Um, Nick Kyrgio, Steve, I thought it was great that, that Tennis Channel brought him in and that Nick agreed to do it. I, I really enjoyed his commentary. He didn't view it as a joke at all. He took his he took it seriously. He provided some great insight. Obviously, Nick has played all these players. He's in this similar generation as these players. So he had some, you know, a really good insightful analysis that maybe someone who obviously didn't play against these um, players in the same generation. I thought he was great. Well, yeah, that's what they took full advantage of is, you know, his his experiences, especially his experiences playing Djokovic. They spent a lot of time talking to him about Djokovic because he has did beat him a couple of times in 2017, which was an off year for Novak. And then they played that Wimbledon final in 2022 that Novak won. And Nick was yeah, Nick was I'm sure there were a lot of fans that were were pleasantly surprised that he, he was very congenial in the booth and very generous in his praise of the players and, and he did take it seriously. You're right. I, he didn't, it, he just wasn't making cavalier remarks. He was paying attention to what he was watching. And as I've said to you in some of our other conversations, I thought that was, Courier was terrific with him, as was Brett Haber, in allowing him plenty of room because they knew he was the newcomer to the booth and he had a lot to say. And Jim was willing at times to take a back seat so that Nick could really express himself. And I thought that was commendable. 100% agree. Um... All right. Well, hey, I know there's still Davis Cup next week, but that really brings us pretty much well, to the end. Davis Cup, by the way, not only is there Davis Cup, but both Djokovic for Serbia and Sinner for Italy are supposed to be there. What a <laughs> tough effort that's going to be for them. The tennis season. Don't get me started, Steve. Don't get me upset on this beautiful <laughs> Sunday. Um, you know, and, and it's a it's a crowded field to win slams, obviously, when you have well, I shouldn't say it's a crowded field. It's hard to win a slam when you have one guy who wins everything. But um, you you mentioned you referred to it earlier. Yannick Sinner, tremendous year. And people are saying, you know, this guy's going to win a slam next year. And he very well could. Again, it's just hard to do when you got someone who basically monopolizes all the biggest events when he plays the events and he's Novak is obviously going to play all the slams. You got Carlos in there too. What's well, Carlos 20 and Sinner's 22 years old. These guys are so young, Steve. Um, yeah. and, and I'll get your thoughts when we do our year end segment, but um, it's going to be exciting to see. I felt we got the best four. And I, I, I know you could say rankings, whatever. I felt these four players in the semifinals of the tennis of the, of the ATP finals are the best four tennis players in the world. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, that was what it was so fitting about is they all deserve to be in the semis. They'd earned their way 
not just at this tournament, but the way they had played across the entire year. So, yeah, it, it, it worked out very well to, and that it all came down to Medvedev playing Sinner in one semi and then surprisingly a djokovic semi semifinal rather than final, which, of course, was two in Roland Garros as well. And then finally, Djokovic avenging the loss to Sinner earlier in the week and winning the final today. So I, I think everything, the season ended on a very high note. Yeah, I agree. And it was great. We're going to have our year end wrap up. Uh, we'll do that in a couple of weeks. And I wish you, Steve, and all the listeners and every tennis fan out there a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, we made it through another year, Steve. You're still doing this with me. I think some people question your sanity, but you're still doing this with me. So I appreciate doing- it from the from uh, the bottom of my heart. Now, listen, I love doing these these podcasts with you. It was great fun. Looking forward to doing our year-end wrap, and, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Thanks. Steve.